let me just start by saying that apparently all of my scheduled ideas for podcasts are going right out the window. You're listening to Historically Speaking with Alyssa Gray Titer, a podcast about whatever I want. I'm talking about the stories of our past and how they shape our present narratives. My stories, my way. It's Herstory in the Making. What up, peeps? This is Alyssa, and welcome back to Historically Speaking. I'm feeling really good this week um, now that Colonizer Gate has passed. Um, but really, I'm feeling excellent because this past Thursday, I handed in the final paper for my MED, and now I'm just waiting on official grades. But let's be real, I'm finished. I can't even believe it. So of course, I posted about it everywhere because I'm super proud. P.S. Thank you for all the congratulations. Um, but I was honestly genuinely surprised um, that so many people felt like this was some type of Herculean feat. Like, I felt like it was difficult because I experienced it, but I didn't realize from the outside um, really how, I guess, special it it looked. Um, and then, of course, once I posted it, then the messages started rolling in from other parents, um, moms especially, who were like, how did you do it with three tiny humans running around? So today, I'm going to talk about that. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. So before we dig in today, I do want to preface this entire episode. While it's evident that this is my podcast and thus my views, I once again want to highlight my positionality as a cisgender woman who has been able to birth children. The experiences that I shared today are not meant to negate that of those who have had different experiences, but I'm going to be honest, I've already recorded this episode once and it was dreadful and choppy and it wasn't me because I was afraid that anything I said would be misconstrued as me saying that if you don't share my identities, then your experience isn't valid. Um, and that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just highlighting my story. And truthfully, my story is it comes from a normative privileged experience. Normative meaning society has deemed my life choices kind of the standard. That said, I also want to note that because of my identity, my experiences are rooted in femininity over masculinity, acknowledging that transgender men and non-binary folks can and do get pregnant. Um, also, many people with uteruses choose not to have children or are unable to have biological children. And many folks, regardless of their parenting choices, can and do have children. So during this episode, you will hear me say mom and motherhood in relation to my own experiences. And that's because they validate my identity as a mom. Okay, so I had Sister Bear at 26. I always knew that I wanted kids and I knew I wanted a large family. Um, but I really and truthfully, like as I got older, thought, hmm, I think I'll have kids a little closer to 30. But I wound up having all three of my kiddos before my 30th birthday. Needless to say, I was hella lost in motherhood. Um, from 25 to 31, I was either pregnant, postpartum, or breastfeeding. So I was in it to win it. My sense of identity was entirely wrapped up in my kids, which truthfully I was thrilled about. 
Um, I never had these big career aspirations. Like having a family was my big goal and everything I did after each of them, like after each of the kids was born was to ensure that I could stay home with them and grow this family that we were creating. I loved being a mom. And again, I said loved. I love being a mom, but I loved being a mom so much that I even started a business around the idea of connecting moms to each other during mat leave um, to remove some of the isolation that you can feel after giving birth. And so being a mom was my sole identity. And truthfully, I liked it that way. I'm giving you the Coles Notes version here. I'm going to explore things a little more kind of after our, our schools in session break. So all of this happens. I have all three kids. I am wrapped up in motherhood and, you know, fairly blissful, like as blissful as you can. Actually, no, that's a lie. Not as blissful as you can get, because I'm sure um, some people are super, super happy. But I was good. Like I was in a really good place. Um, everyone had commented that, you know, after having baby bear, how how natural it looked for me and how how things just seemed to settle in really nicely once I had the third, because truthfully, after having Sister Bear, I, everything felt like topsy-turvy. And people often ask me, like, what's the hardest um, number of kids to have? Or like, what transition, rather, is the hardest? Is it hardest going from one to two or two to three? And I'm like, uh, none of the above, friend. The hardest by far transition is going from zero kids to one kid. It's an entire Jedi mind trick because you have no frame of reference. Like you don't know what life is like with a child. And then all of a sudden you slot this new human being in and you're like, what do I do with it? Um, And some people are really good at fitting baby into their lifestyle. So their lifestyle continues as as usual and they're traveling and baby just kind of comes along. They don't really deal with schedules and it works for them. I was not that parent. Um, I definitely was like, I was all for my kids. Like I wanted to make sure they had a good sleep. So we were on a strict nap schedule where like I had to be home at these times to make sure they napped so that they, so that they would sleep at night. And I very much like I nursed on demand. I never had a schedule. So I was constantly feeding around the clock whenever they wanted milk. Like I was there for it. Um, And again, like things felt, I, I don't know, like, again, Sister Bear, things were definitely weird. I was like, I don't even know what this is. Um, After Brother Bear, he spent three months in the NICU. I was like way upside down. And now I had two. So I had a two-year-old and a newborn. And then I was pregnant just shortly before uh, Brother Bear's. Actually, no, I was like four months pregnant by Brother Bear's first birthday. So I was like fully like swimming underwater, like trying to come up for air um, in this parenthood baby bubble. Um, but again, it was kind of one of those, like, oh, I don't even know, like those, oh, I can't even think of the word. Like I'm thinking like, um, like the giver, if you've ever read the giver and that idea that like, they only know what they know because they're in this kind of bubble and they don't realize kind of what's outside of the bubble and only the giver can see color and things like that. Like, that's how I felt like, like. Looking back at it, I realized 
yeah, looking back, that's what it felt like where I was happy with what I had because I didn't realize there was really anything else. And that was good enough for me. So again, super blissful. Everything's cool. I'm like, yeah, going to be a stay at home mom. I will make this work by whatever means possible. Even if that means I have to be a work at home mom, um, I will change careers. I will figure it out. But then things changed. Daddy Bear got a contract to play professional basketball. And this happened after Baby Bear was born. Like this happened around Baby Bear's first birthday. So by then I have a one-year-old, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And Daddy Bear's like, yep, I'm going to take this contract. Um, The great news is, is that with this money, it will allow you to stay home. And I was like, absolutely, take it. Like, this is great. This does exactly what I want it to do. Little did I know that it was going to do not the exact opposite, because it definitely kept me home. But no, actually, it did. It did the exact opposite, but it did it for my mental state and like my sanity. So he takes this contract. He is on the road a lot. He's at practice every day. So I am everything to everyone. And it felt all consuming. And I just remember being like, this is really overwhelming. Like, I didn't actually sign up for all of this. Um, Because it's one thing to be, you know, I don't know. I felt like it was one thing to be a stay at home mom and kind of enjoy my enjoy my children. But it was quite another thing to just be like all the time. Like I just had to be on all the time. And that felt really stressful to me. And I wasn't practicing any kind of self-care in terms of taking time for myself. Um, I was trying to do that when Daddy Bear got home from his road trips. But for the most part, like it was just me kind of floundering. So again, me and the kids just like day by day. And yes, he was around. But again, he was just not like always around. He would go on road trips for like 10 days, sometimes two weeks. Sometimes it was just a week. Sometimes it was a couple nights. But like regardless, when you have three tiny children, um, one of whom you're still nursing, like, oh, no, I was like, absolutely not. Oh, hell no. So again, I'm like super lost. I'm irritated because Daddy Bear's traveling so much. And when he's not traveling, he's at practice and it's just me. And I just felt like I need a thing. Like, what's my thing? Like, Daddy Bear's thing is basketball. That's always been his thing. But my thing changes so much. Like, I've always been a person that has multiple interests. And so I kind of bounce around um, when things are of interest to me. And so because I had already been pretty heavily involved in social justice stuff just because of the nature of me being a teacher and also me now being a parent and being really concerned for how the world was kind of, you know, the tone of the world, um, that started to like I started to find something for me to do. Um and I think that was a big part in in the change. Like, obviously, the change was fueled by, like, me being like, hey, <laughs> I am not just a mom. There are other things that I do well. Um, but I had to figure out what those things were. And I realized that learning was my thing. I enjoy teaching because I enjoy learning. And so I 
kind of just went about my business. And I'll tell you another thing. Okay. Here's something you need to know about me. I am not someone that is like, I really am, unfortunately, and I'm going to have to talk to my therapist about this, fueled by, um, I'm fueled by not necessarily competition, but like this idea that if someone is doing something and I'm like, hey, I can do that, um, then, you know, I'm going to go do that. So (laughs) I ended up meeting some people over the course of time who had doctorates, who had master's degrees. And I was like, if you can have a master's degree, then I certainly can have a master's degree. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. Like, really, it's just it's just me. Like, because of the territory, right? So um, that was kind of the catalyst for really pursuing my master's and thinking to myself, like, hey, all these people have master's and can like, and their PhDs or their EDDs or whatever, and they're running around um, with all these certifications and letters at the end of their name, but they know nothing. And so it honestly started as just something I wanted to do for me to prove that I could do it. And that's how I enrolled in my master's. However, enrolling in my master's, and again, this is only now just over a year ago, allowed me to find something that I was truly interested in and something that really could help kind of guide me along this new path to finding myself. Like I had to refigure out who I was or who I am now as, you know, a 33-year-old versus who I was then at 26. Like, no offense to any 20-year-olds who are listening, but at 26, at 25, like in your 20s, you really don't know much about yourself. Um, As much soul-searching, as much therapy as you can do, there is something very different about your life after 30. And I'm sure 40-year-olds will say the same thing about after 40, um, but there's just something about age that kind of helps. It, like, it, it's your lived experience. Your lived experience grows each year. And it's funny. I was talking to my cousin. So I have a group chat with three of my cousins. And one of them was like, I was talking to my fiance and we were saying how much you have come into your own over the last few years. And they're younger than me. But the statement was true. Like... I really have started to find my voice, my identity, what it is that I love um, for better or for worse. I will say that I also, too, am probably a little more stubborn now um, in terms of knowing what I want, knowing my worth, knowing my value, and then kind of sticking to those Um, sticking to those boundaries that I've put in place to protect who I am. Because once you find yourself or you find something that you love, right? Your goal is then to protect it. And so my goal is to protect my new identity and my new sense of self. So I thought for today's school session, we would talk about um, the idea of gender roles and feminism and kind of how that has impacted the way that we see ourselves, um, how we see our roles in society, and then as parents and kind of unpack why it is that we feel a lot of the things that we feel now um, about trying to do it all. So let's do it. Schools in session. First, I want to note that modern gender roles are based on colonial concepts wherein power is ascribed to masculinity and where femininity is considered inferior. What I mean by that is um, it's not that 
you know, traditional societies did not have, and I, by traditional societies, sorry, I should uh, specify that I mean um, countries before they had been colonized or nations before they had been colonized. It's not that they didn't have divisions of labor uh, based on biological sex, but there was a lot more fluidity in how people could move between those roles, depending on what was needed. Um, there were matrilineal societies wherein power is passed down from the mother, two-spirited and non-binary folks were valued in society. But what I will say is that in cultures, in certain tribes where division of labor did happen based on biological sex, they didn't ascribe power. So they didn't attach power um, to one sex over the other. It was just different. Like they had different tasks based on what was necessary. Based on my own cultural teachings, noting that not all Indigenous nations are monolithic, um, a person with a uterus, their moon time is a sacred ceremony. Sorry, moon time is a period. It's a ceremony and it's honored, like, but it's honored for strength and for the spirituality, like for the connection to the creator. So um, this idea that, you know, uh, people who have uteruses and again, once colonization happened, were typically ascribed feminine characteristics, um, like this idea that they were inferior or weaker is very much a colonial concept. Um, so again, people who could give birth were were valued, right? You were valued for your ability to um, help grow the community and um, provide, you know, provide milk to to like and sustenance to your community um, by way of producing milk. So it's just something to keep in mind. Another fun fact um, is that women were in charge of much of the agricultural labor in non-industrialized societies, and they did this with tiny humans strapped to them. If you think about it, meat uh, was a premium item, and many communities saved the meat that they could get um, for their own sustenance and livelihoods. So agriculture, even today, is one of the primary economic producers for many countries. So women were and still are responsible for much of the economic prosperity in particular areas. Um, it was really after colonization that we see a woman's role change to that of someone who must stay home and keep house. But that changes uh, with the war when women are needed to keep the economy running. The reason I talk about these little historical snippets is because I want you to understand that this is not a you problem. It's a societal problem. And a lot of the guilt we feel about not measuring up or taking up space or having interests that are our own come from colonial concepts that we've adopted as normal, like this idea that we are only responsible to our spouses and our children um, is a very colonial concept. So it is not selfish for you to have needs outside of your family. It is not selfish for you to take time for yourself. It is not selfish um, for you to have things that are just yours and for you to prioritize yourself and your mental health. Like, it's not selfish. It's selfful. All right, school's out. Let's chat. Again, I really just want to highlight that if you want to have kids, and this is only if 
if those are like kids are on your radar, that you don't have to wait for the perfect time because you really can do anything with them in tow. It's going to be a lot. But what I will say is that you learn how to better manage your time. You learn how to prioritize. Your brain works on a different level because you've had to multitask so much that it just becomes sharper. As much as like in your foreground, you think, "Uh, I know nothing now. Your brain really does have to work on a different level to be a parent. So if you're thinking about it, just do it. Okay, so I'm going to spend the rest of the time answering your questions. I put it out there to see if you guys had, you know, any questions about finding and losing and all that stuff, gaining and flip-flopping your identity. Um, And you guys came through. There's a ton of questions in here, so I'm going to try and answer them as succinctly but as thoroughly as possible. So (laughs) I hope that makes sense. So let's get to it. Number one, experiences being a full-time working teacher mom, and then it said any gender bias. Because teaching is such a, uh, like a female-dominated industry, I I don't know that there's necessarily a gender bias, but there's definitely um, a difference in, you know, people who choose to have kids versus people who choose not to have kids. Um, and I think people without kids will tell you the same thing in that they they feel pressured to kind of, for lack of a better term, pick up our slack because, um, you know, we've got kids that, that need picking up from school. And so, you know, we have to leave and, you know, maybe we're not coaching as many sports as we were before we had kids. And, you know, that's kind of a sacrifice that that we make. Um, but again, I've heard I've heard the opposite, like from uh, people who don't have kids and they're like, well, it's not fair that your time is valued more than my time because you have kids. Like, what if I just have something else to do? Um, and I grapple with that. But <laughs> truthfully, like my tiny humans need me to stay alive. Like I feel like that's a little bit different than, you know, just having other things that you would like to do or maybe that you have committed to do unless it's caring for someone, in which case I'm like, you know, caring for someone is caring for someone. So uh, there's that. And my experiences, the nice thing about being a teacher is that I am out at a reasonable hour and I can do things if I want to at home. Um so at least I'm here. But I do find it the one thing I actually hate, I hate cooking now. Like, that's annoying. I hate coming home from work and and cooking and doing all that nonsense. So uh, and cleaning. I've always hate, hated cleaning. I hired a cleaning lady. That is my solution to that problem. Um, the next one, prioritizing how, what family, kids, friends, and then it says what friends, spouse, work, sleep. Um, So I'll try and go through each of these. So prioritizing, how do you prioritize? That will be up to the individual, like what to you is, and maybe not most important because obviously then your kids are always going to just be in the foreground, but what is the priority at that moment? If I know that I have a paper due, then that becomes my priority. Like um, my kids are resilient. They will survive through me working on my paper while still like maybe not being directly present, but still kind of in their midst. So I do a lot of my work 
I do all of my work actually from home. I don't go to the library. I don't sit in cafes. Like it's also we're in the middle of a pandemic, but under normal circumstances, I would still do my work here. So I'm very easily accessible. I'm just not really available, if that makes sense. Um, prioritizing. Okay, so family, um, <laughs> my family knows that like I value my alone time. So I will faster send my kids to spend time with people than all of us go over and hang out there. Or my husband will take them to like my mother-in-law's and and hang out there. Um, Any time that I can get alone is valuable for me. Um, Friends. Again, my friends are very aware of who I am as a person. And this was before I had kids. Before I had kids, I wasn't very social. Like I have a small group of friends and truthfully, they're not all from the same group. I just collect people kind of wherever I go and they know that I don't really like going out. And that's not like, it's not strange for them. Like I go long spurs without seeing my friends, um, but like they just know who I am as a person. And so I've set that up. I've set my boundaries. I speak to my friends when I can. If I don't answer text messages, they are not in their feelings. They're just very aware. And I think that's something I've gotten better at as I get older is just being very transparent with like, hey, I'm not going to get back to you at any reasonable time. Um, I still love you. I'm still here. Um, If you really need me, like obviously I'll be there. But if it's like, you know, if we're just chatting, like, honestly, sometimes I don't have the capacity and I've built up a community that really supports that for me. Spouse. This one is tricky. And I really have to do like a whole episode on this one. Um, because this one I feel like is the hardest is, you know, the making time for your spouse and making time for marriage and really cultivating that relationship because it's super important. And as understanding, sorry, as understanding as my husband is, I think it also takes a toll on him when I'm super busy because then I'm not readily available. And yeah, I like he gets cranky, I can tell. And so for him, truthfully, I think I'll push it a little bit further until I notice like ultimate crank and then I'm like, ah, okay, (laughs) we got to hang out a little bit. Um, Work. I enjoy what I do. So um, like for work, work, teaching work, I have become really efficient at doing what I need to do in terms of I now have like a system in place for what my students are doing, how they're going to do it, what I'm going to grade. Um, And I don't mark everything, nor do your students need you to mark everything. Like this idea that everything must have a grade is just beyond me. Um, Talk to your students. A lot of my feedback comes in speaking directly to my students and it saves me a whole lot of paperwork. Um, What was the other one? Sleep. Um, So again, COVID time, like this pandemic has put my sleep schedule in like some kind of weird thing where I wasn't going to bed and like plus my papers and stuff and just having the kids around all the time. Um, I wasn't going to bed until like five in the morning, um, seven in the morning, three in the morning. Like I had these really weird hours. Under normal circumstances, though, I prioritize my sleep because I know in order for me to be a healthy, good functioning human, I need sleep. Like sleep is non-negotiable for me. If I don't get sleep, I'm a mess. Some people can function on less sleep. I'm not one of those people. Um, So during times when we're, uh, you know, at work regularly and I have 
a schedule. I try to get to bed as early as possible and wake up (laughs) truthfully with not very much time to spare, like enough that I can get um, everyone ready and stuff like that. But I'm not waking up extra early to do 50 other things in the morning. I've tried. It's just not my jam. I will also say that on the weekends, I sleep in and I sleep in as much as humanly possible. I take naps if I need to. Um, Yeah, sleep is super important to me. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Um, How to forgive ourselves while lost or staying in unfulfilled roles. Um, It's funny because I felt that way with kind of everything I was doing before I got back to work. Um after this last mat leave. Like I felt so unfulfilled. I hated teaching. I thought, why am I even in this career? I suck at it. I can't stand kids anymore. Like it just felt really all consuming and not in a good way. And then I realized I just didn't like the assignment that I had that year and I continued to get. And I always had like a piece of like that same assignment, but just different grades. And that was really making me feel miserable. And so I made like I, I've been, again, very vocal and that has been my saving grace. Like I realized nothing was going to happen if I kept quiet. And I, I'm the type of person that doesn't like to truthfully like this may surprise you, but I don't like to be in conflict with people. I don't like when people are upset with me. Um, I don't really like to rock the boat too much. Like that's changed, obviously, but you know, before. And so I would really keep quiet if things were bothering me. Um, But I realized that I really needed to advocate for myself the same way I would tell my students to advocate for themselves. Like you need to speak up and be like, this doesn't work for me. This is not suiting me. This is making me unhappy. And then if people don't change from there, at least you have like a proper, I guess, grievance in that you've spoken up. And if they're choosing to actively go against that, then, you know, that's a real problem. So yeah, how to forgive yourself, take a breath, take a breath, revisit everything, Um, write stuff down, figure out where you want to be. Creative and unconventional ways to redeem time, social norms and starting over. Oh gosh, so much. So I think I talked about social norms, um, starting over it. Like again, I have started over 50, 11 times and have been a part of too many MLMs. <laughs> like, I can't even, I can't even like starting over, start over as many times as you need to until it feels right for you and never apologize for it. Maybe like, again, I have started a business. I have done different things. I've done fitness. I have done um, like holistic health. I, uh, I did a culinary nutrition course, um, and became a certified culinary nutritionist during one of my mat leaves. Like each mat leave, I took on something different, um, and reinvented myself each time and it didn't quite fit. So then I kept going. So keep going and creative and unconventional ways to redeem time. Um, start a podcast because then you can tell everyone you're recording and close the door. <laughs> um, I really have embraced the idea of allowing the noise to be the noise. It doesn't always work that way. And sometimes the noise is really annoying. But sometimes when the kids are just going and it just feels like I'm in this, you know, wave of, of sound, um, 
instead of trying to fight the sound, I just kind of use it as background noise and literally in my mind go somewhere else because, you know, kids be kidding. It's too too much. Um, Tips for single parents in starting over and or going back to school. Now, again, I can't speak to this. I, I don't think well enough because I'm not a single parent and I haven't had to single parent and you know daddy bear going away for chunks at a time does not constitute single parenting it's just parenting while the other parent is away um and so again I am never going to say don't pursue your education don't go back to school like I say go for it but by the same token you have to make sure that you have a support system in place that is going to be able to help you you know, support your goals or, or reach your goals because you are going to need time to write and think and be. And it's very difficult to do that with kids always around. So if you can find time um, to and you have family that you're able to kind of, you know, shoo the kids off on, like push the kids off on, then go for it. But I would say that make sure you have some type of community in place. If you don't have family, do you have a group of friends? Um, Do you have some type of support in place that will allow you to move forward? Um, The next one is one thing I wouldn't have learned without them, without my kids. I, oh my gosh, there are so many things Um, because they all have such unique personalities. I really learned about, you know, just managing different temperaments. I learned how to multitask and prioritize and do more things um, with less time. And I've become really good at that. What surprised you the most about having kids, about how having kids impacted your self-image? Oh, child. Woo, Chile. (laughs) Woo, child. Like that is a whole episode in and of itself because my self-image is, it's here, there and everywhere. Like, um, and I have changed so much. Like anyone who knew me before having kids to now having kids is like, she's a different person. And I am. Um, but what surprised me the most I think that I could learn to um, be happy with myself, even if others weren't with my self-image. But again, let's come back to that self-image one in a different episode, because again, woo Chile. <laughs> um when did you regain your identity after your first kid? I'm still not there two and a half years later. Oh, man. Oh, peeps. I said, oh, man. I meant, oh, peeps. Okay. This is going to break your heart a little bit, but I will literally say seven years, like six to seven years. I just, just, okay. Sister Bear is seven now. I'm just finding and growing my identity. So I'm still kind of in that that finding and growing phase. So don't feel bad if you are still kind of like, who am I? What do I do? What am I good at? What do I like? Um, it's difficult. And don't think like, it's funny, some people will be like, after a year, after 18 months, they're like, ah, I got it. I'm back to normal. Um, I will say no, you are not. You may think you are. 
but the evolution and the growth that you will go through, especially as your kid grows, will astonish you. Um, Terrible twos aren't a thing. Wait till they get to three. A three-year-old will change your whole life and you will be like, what? Like, I don't know my head from my tail. Like, um, it takes time. And I would say, give yourself grace. Like, you have a whole nother person that you are responsible for and that has their own personality, their own way of doing things. And as much as you impart some of yourself, your partner has imparted some of their, you know, kind of views and, um, again, you're creating and growing and like fostering the, the development of this whole new human. So, um, I said seven years and it really has, like, I'd say seven years, I get seven years. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, how do you incorporate self-care when your hubby is away for ba- like away on a basketball trip? And when I say self-care, I mean basic things like shower. Um, so I definitely shower once the kids have gone to bed. If I'm going to give up anything, it is cleaning. I'm not going to lie to you. I hate it. It's not fun for me. Um, and so like I'm not going to sacrifice, you know, taking my shower and doing the things that make me feel good. Um but when he's away, I also like am very meticulous when he goes away. So like we have a routine. Things are down to like an exact science. There's less kind of freedom and flexibility in the way that I move. Like my daughter today even said um, she was like, she was like, yeah, how come moms are so strict and always telling us to like be careful? And like dads are tons of fun and will like push us on the swing super high. And I'm like, it's just it's just the way it goes, man. Like, she's like, why do moms have to be so strict? Because like, you're scared we're going to hurt ourselves. I'm like, precisely. And I also just need things to be smooth because the more rocky things are with them, the more hectic they feel with me. And I can't have that. Um, Where am I with these questions? Uh, just finished mat leave, uh, heading back to the classroom tips for minimizing work at home. So I have time for myself. Don't bring work home. It's not necessary. It is 100% not necessary. Um, When I first got back, I really heavily used my planning time. So I wasn't um, socializing during my planning times. I was trying not to photocopy and do all of that stuff. Um, I really used my planning times to get marking done and to get anything that I needed to get done, done. Also, Mark when your students are doing things like you don't need to hover over your students shoulders. There's actually no need for it. Um, Give them the space to grow and you can mark and look at them and do things um, that that balance your time because you shouldn't have to be stressed about being at home and doing all your marking there. I mean, if it works for you, like sometimes I enjoy it, um, then do that. But Things can wait. Students can wait. They do not need you to give them a 10 out of 10, like with a day turnaround. They will survive. There's 50, 11 things going on anyway. And lastly, anything a childless friend can do to support this. Truthfully, that will depend on the individual. Um, For me, uh, it's funny. Okay, I will tell you the best story that I ever experienced. And this was my best friend. Um... So she came over and again, she's just like salt of the earth type of person. So one day, I don't even know, I think, I don't, 
I don't even know if I had all three or what. Um, but she was like, I'm going to babysit for you. And I was like, okay, like, sure. And that in and of itself was good enough. Like she was just like, I'm going to babysit. You guys go on a date night. We went on a date night, came home. She had folded all of our clothes. Like what? Some people will hate that. But like for me, I literally cried. It was the best thing someone could have done for me. But again, I've mentioned like five times how much I hate cleaning. Laundry is included. So like someone taking the time to take something off of my plate was huge for me. So, you know, if someone wants to bring dinner or clean or help out in some way, I am here for it. Um, And if you are not expecting really good conversation out of me, even better. So that'll be up to the individual ask. Um, I will say, though, that I'm terrible at like actually even accepting help when people ask. Like People will be like, do you need? I'm like, no, I'm good. Um, So sometimes it's just a matter of like, I'm coming to babysit. If they say no, then you know it's a no. But like, oftentimes if you're like, I'm coming to babysit, then they're like, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> and then if you just clean, like, again, for some people that's offensive. So you do have to ask, but like, my friends know me, take it up, do it, go for it. I am here for it. Um, so with that, this has been a really long episode. And I thank you for sticking with me. And hopefully I answered everything that you had hoped. Um, If not, feel free to shoot me a message. Maybe I'll put up another question thing so you can ask again. So that way I can answer some more of your questions and maybe, you know, get a little deeper into it. But uh, at the end of the day, make yourself a priority because you absolutely matter. Mm, I think that's it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and I will catch you next week. How do you say woo Chile? You said what? Woo Chile. Woo Chile. Like W H E W Chile. Chile. It's woo child.